Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal. It's Thursday, July 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs got going in a big way on Wednesday at training camp. Veterans practice for the first time, but not all of them. No Orlando Brown Jr., who's now officially a holdout. Also, running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire practiced the day after being on the physically unable to perform, or PUP list. We discuss those topics and much more on today's show that started as a Sports Beat Live. Beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, along with columnist Sam McDowell, shared their practiced observations, and you'll hear from a pair of newcomers, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster and safety Justin Reed. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, Chiefs Training Camp Edition. We're coming to you from the campus of Missouri Western State University in St. Joe Mo. And we are here to talk Chiefs with you. Please send us your questions and comments. And our panel of experts, which include beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell and columnist Sam McDowell, will uh, will answer them to the best of their ability. And uh, before we get in the conversation, let's thank our presenting sponsor, First Federal. And we'll let you know that we're going to be here same time every day during training camp. So um, just, uh, yeah, just w- let's talk about what you want to talk about. Send us your questions and comments. All right. For, for Herbie and Jesse, they have been here since the get-go. Since last Friday, they've been here for every, every day of training camp. But today was a little bit different. The fans who are here today, season ticket holders, and um, and the veterans were here as well. It, up until now, it's just been quarterbacks and rookies. Today, it was full squad. And we've got uh, a lot of observations about today, uh, about who was lining up where and who was hurt and who wasn't hurt. But before we talk about that, I want to get um, just some impressions from, from our guys who are here today. The, I'll start it off by saying the first thing I noticed walking from uh, the, the press uh center where we are over to the fields it's about a quarter mile walk or so the line to get in to the facility to the practice facility today was as long as i've ever seen it i don't know if there was a holdup or whatever um at the you know at the gate but it it was a a long line to get in and this was about a half an hour before the 9 15 start but uh, herbie you've been coming to these things for a while what uh, it was different energy out there today wasn't it yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that Mark Donovan, the team president, said on Monday was back to normal. You know, and he mentioned that at least two or three times. And that's exactly what you saw out here. There were a lot of fans, according to the Chiefs, more than 3,000 Chiefs season ticket members were out here. And that number is sure to go up on Thursday when it's the first full practice that's open to the general public. But you're right. The traffic out here, the amount of fans, you did get a sense of normalcy. Uh, what you come to expect from a Chiefs training camp pre-COVID. Your your first one, Jesse, what'd you see? Well, first off, I want to congratulate Sam McDowell for discovering South America, it looks like. Is that a very crude uh, map that he drew in the background? So uh, a nice background for him. I also want to promise the people out there, I'm pretty sure we ran this last week and I was wearing this exact same shirt. The star does pay me enough to wear multiple shirts uh, to these places. So uh, I don't just bring one, but I promise tomorrow will be a different color. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think I mentioned to these guys, it was, it was crazy. This was different uh, today, you know, only media basically and, and team personnel out here the previous days. And today 
it really felt like something, you know, people coming, players coming off the, the practice facility and everybody asking for autographs, you know, Andy Reid coming down in a golf cart, everybody cheering for him, yelling for him. Uh, so it does take on a different feel when you get to this day of particular training camp. But as far as impressions, I'm sure we'll get to this. But, uh, you know, we can talk about the left tackle and who was lining up there first. We could talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who was there when we didn't expect him to be after he was placed very temporarily on the pup list yesterday. But I thought Juju Smith-Schuster was kind of the show of today. Um, we talked a lot this offseason about which receiver is going to step up for the Chiefs. Is it going to be Sky Moore? Is it going to be McCole Hardman? Is it going to be MVS? Uh, and I thought Smith-Schuster today was really the highlight and, and made a lot of different catches. And not only that, a lot of catches in different places than potentially he did in previous seasons with Pittsburgh. So that'll be fascinating to track over time. But just day one, uh, many more to come. And as Herbie said, even more fans to come here in future days. And we'll hear from Juju Smith-Schuster later in the show, along with uh, safety, Justin Reed. So, um, yeah, Sam, you've been you've been coming up here for years as well. Um, th there was just a, a totally different feel about today. And there's a difference really between the, um, the, those first four or five days here and then starting now for the rest of the practice session. Yeah. I, um, I love training camp. You know, it's the one time of season that the chiefs can't really hide anything from you. We see it all with our own eyes. So, um, you know, I recall, and I know Herbie does as well, us consistently watching Juan Thornhill last year take snaps with the twos and threes and then asking Andy Reid about it and him telling us not to read anything into it. And then guess who's not starting for the first five weeks of the season last year. So this is when we learn the most about what they feel about their roster. You know, I mean, I, I think what we learned today to, to that extent is they put Roderick Johnson at left tackle. And that tells me, that, okay, they know Orlando Brown's coming at some point. They might not know when he's coming, but they know he's coming at some point. They're not planning to go into week one without Orlando Brown because Roderick Johnson would not be the starter at left tackle if they did not have Orlando Brown. So, again, we, we can learn what they feel about, um, you know, how they would line up with that Orlando Brown. But today told me they're, they're planning to have Orlando Brown. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, we'll, and we'll get to a little bit more about the left tackle in a couple other positions where um, uh, that were a little eye-opening, I thought, for, uh, for, for, for Chiefs. And, and you think about it, their Chiefs are replacing several you know, players, standout players, starters from last year. So today was kind of the first official look at um, new faces and old places for the Chiefs. But let's, uh, let's go to some injuries. And, and there was a couple of uh, developments on that front today, too, wasn't it, Herbie? Uh, you know, the, the uh, the media was all in a panic uh, yesterday, and Chiefs fans with uh, the news that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was put on the put on the pup list, and uh, there he was after just about all the other players had come down the walkway. There was Clyde Edwards-Alaire, um, number twenty-five, uh, making his way to the practice field. Give us an update on on Ceh. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on the panic mode. My goodness, social media blew up. Oh, he's hurt again. Oh, no, but he's not hurt. Uh, apparently. As Andy Reid said, he had to take another or he had to pass a test, which leads me to believe uh, Tuesday when Chiefs players arrive Monday night, they have to go through a conditioning test on Tuesday. So when Andy Reid says he had to complete the test, that's what makes me to believe that he was held back because he didn't do something with the conditioning test. But he checked out OK. You know, you're right. He, he walked down the field with Jarek McKinnon, appeared to practice with no limitations, worked exclusively with the first team offense. So Edwards Hilaire is good to go. 
Okay, and who was um, uh, what, what's the Frank Clark update? Uh, there was there was kind of that was sort of the early buzz in practices. Where was Frank Clark? Um, and you, you know, your mind wanders, but uh, we found out after practice why Frank Clark wasn't there today. Yeah, and Andy Reese said he was ill and had to also had to take a test, but Clark did make his way to the practice field midway through the session. He was observed on the sideline working with a trainer, going through stretching, and then he eventually joined his defensive teammates on the sideline. However, he did not go through any drills, probably because he joined the session late. Very good. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Sam already alluded to at the left tackle position. Uh, everybody was uh, nobody expected Orlando Brand Jr. to be here, and uh, and our expectations were met. He was not here today. So, um, Sam, I know you've got a you've got a piece coming up about Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, what what um, uh, let's just break down that position and what. The, what what happens if Orlando Brown misses all of or part of training camp? Well, he's going to be behind. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of the equivalent of taking one of the the senior cut days, and then you know you get a bunch of homework, and you you still you still got to do the work at some point. I mean, um, he is putting his body in not a great position to open the season, and you know, I think you'd make the obvious argument that there's no spot that's more physical than the trenches of a football game. And, you know, I, I did talk to professional trainers, guys that work with NFL players who said, absolutely, you should be concerned about how his body is going to hold up once he does get back. You know, I mean, one of the examples that was presented to me was he has not played a physical down of football because he obviously he skipped uh, the summer as well with a helmet on since the AFC championship game. And he said the, the, the person I spoke to said, first time he does that for a day, his neck is going to hurt like crazy. Um, and you know, things like soft tissue injuries come into play. I mean, Herbie knows this better than me because he's been coming to these camps longer than me. The most common injuries we see up here are soft tissue injuries. So it's not like he enters a new realm. Um, and, and, you know, with the potential of getting injured, but he's going to, he's giving himself less time to recover. If that possibility does occur, he's going to be pushed up against week one, whenever he's out here. Um, and, you know, I mean, let's face it, he's, he's entering his second full season as a left tackle. This is not a veteran left tackle um, entering his second season, playing with these guys. Andy Reid even acknowledged today. They've got some new things they're working on. He's not out here for that. Creed Humphrey acknowledged two days ago that, you know, the communication with the offensive line he thought was the key to its cohesiveness last year. It's one of the reasons it was one ranked as the, you know, fourth or fifth best line, depending on which metric you want to go by. All that stuff is gone with Orlando Brown. So I think and this is one of the things I wrote, but the, the biggest victim of Orlando Brown missing days is Orlando Brown. Yeah. And what about uh, just maybe briefly, let's touch on the contract situation. Uh, they were mostly far apart on the guaranteed money. Um, and Jesse, is, is this just a, are the Chiefs playing a little bit of hardball here with, with Orlando Brown? And, and um, uh, as Sam said, it's, it would absolutely be in uh, both, both sides best interest if Orlando Brown uh, made it to camp pretty soon, but um, is this is this a situation where we, we're going to see, you know, Orlando Brown give? Because I don't I don't see the Chiefs giving in on this. Well, it's an interesting scenario now because there's 
I mean, the Chiefs really can't give anymore. I mean, there's nothing to negotiate. You can't negotiate till after the year. So Orlando Brown can show his displeasure by not showing up. But uh, if he wants to make money this year, he's going to have to play on that franchise tag. So, I mean, in, in terms of did the Chiefs, could they have given more or given in or whatever? I mean, we, we could debate whether a million more guaranteed dollars per year would be worth it to make him happy, to make Patrick Mahomes happy, to have this whole thing be kumbaya and uh, come into training camp and have everybody moving in the same direction. But I think Sam has brought up this point quite accurately and quite well throughout the entire course of this offseason. This whole offseason has been about propping open the window for the Chiefs for the next five to seven years rather than just thinking short term and making a panic move or pinning yourself into a corner to make a move you don't necessarily have to make. So with that, they stood their line with Orlando Brown. They made him what they believe was a fair offer based off of his production so far. Orlando Brown didn't like that. But again, now the leverage shifts back to the Chiefs because either Orlando Brown plays on the tag or he doesn't make any money at all. So, I, I again, it's beyond the point where these two sides can come together and have something uh, different happen at the, based on this season. So and now it's just a matter of when Orlando Brown shows up and when everybody, like I said, can start moving in the same direction to start the 2022 season. Okay, that's um, uh, plenty of off-field observations uh, of the Chiefs today. Let's talk about what we saw on the field. And um, let's uh, let's just reveal our first first federal player of the day. We're going to do this throughout training camp. Have a player of the day sponsored by First Federal. That player today is Juju Smith-Schuster, the wide receiver. Um, had a terrific day. Made a great first impression for the for the fans here. So let's uh, let, before we offer observations of Juju Smith-Schuster, let's hear what he had to say in the media tent uh, just a couple hours ago. You said earlier this offseason maybe you didn't, weren't able to run all the routes you wanted to a season ago. Can you just talk about what you meant by that and kind of the opportunity you see this year? Yeah, I mean, this offense, man, I threw them, oh, my gosh, the amount of routes that I ran. I think I ran more routes here than uh, my previous offense and uh, being all over the field. And like I said, being able to play inside, outside, uh, you know, and that's just for everybody. You know, you see MBS playing inside, outside. You've seen um, Miko playing inside, outside. Sky, you have so many guys playing different positions, which is so nice, you know, because we can move guys around. And uh, like I said, you know, today was just like the first taste of, you know, what I got to show. Why is that good for you? Uh, just go, I mean, just like I said, versatile. Being able to spread the ball around, being able to move guys all around the field and not being able to stay in one spot. And get double team, cover team, or double team, and being covered on one side, then moving to the other side or inside. Gigi, you've kind of seen a lot of success inside. How much do you want to show, maybe that I can also be this, this legitimate outside too? I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's going to show uh, just because of the offense I'm, I'm in right now. Uh, being able to be outside, like I said, like that, that's just all shown. You know, I didn't have to come in here, uh, you know, ask for for anything. You know, the playbook is meant for everyone to know everybody's position and just play. Juju, a lot of guys have talked about uh, always being ready for the ball. Like Patrick is a, is a guy that likes to scramble. Guys have talked about him extending plays and being ready. How much have you guys worked on that aspect of it in the offseason? Man, we, we basically have a period just for that. Really? You know, scramble drill, you know, versus, you know, whether you run across the field. And I, I, I would say, you know, one thing about with Pat uh, that I've caught on to notice is that, you know, he can run the other way and he can run the opposite way. He's going to throw it the opposite way if you right. go get the ball. Uh, and he kind of did that today. So, uh, like you said, man, like just to know, you know, where Pat's at, where the ball's going to be at, and, you know, always be ready, always be open. 
Now, those those opposite uh, movement and throwing skills, uh, we've seen a lot of from Patrick Mahomes over the, over the years. And it, but but Juju Smith-Schuster also said Ben Roethlisberger had had the same ability. Uh, I would submit nobody does it as well as Patrick Mahomes. So uh, before I ask Jesse about uh, about Juju Smith-Schuster, Herbie, what, what were some of the plays that you saw him make today that stuck out? Well, the diving catch, and I, I believe, if, if anything, Jesse actually wrote about that or he included it in this piece. Look, I, I think when we saw in mandatory minicamp and OTAs, you, know, you heard Juju Smith-Schuster saying they like to spread out the ball. It was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, who, who commanded our attention throughout June. Now we get here, and you hear him talking about the versatility of the offense, and you hear him talking about how they're going to spread it around. Now it's his turn to shine. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me going forward that we see other wide receivers like Sky Moore and even Hardman have their days as well. But Juju's day was today. He certainly put on a show. What'd you see, Jesse? I know you wrote about him. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the one play you guys can search for it on social media if you want to see it or check out our store in the Kansas City Star. We've got it embedded in there if you want to, want to take a look. But uh, the big catch that Juju Smith-Schuster made against Trent McDuffie is on what we call a burst corner route. So you, and so it's kind of similar to Wasp a little bit for all those fans that uh, you know have made that play famous. But it's sort of like you're trying to turn somebody to the inside and then you burst to the outside if you're the outside receiver. And I just thought it was a really good encapsulation. Not only was it a great play by Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, but he talked this offseason and was pretty open about when he was with Pittsburgh, he didn't get to run all the routes that he wanted to with Pittsburgh. And so he was pretty honest in that clip. By the way, some great question asking early in that clip. I don't know who that, that was. was. Outstanding. That, that, that was, was outsta- outstanding. Outstanding journalism, um, whoever that was. But, um, you know, I, I think that that really is a telltale sign, though, from the Chiefs. And, and this is where it's different. Again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Pittsburgh trying to cater to a guy's strength. And obviously, we know what Juju can do over the middle and as a slot receiver, all those sorts of things. But this is going to be different for MBS and for Juju with the Chiefs because those guys are going to be inside, they're going to be outside, they're going to run all sorts of different routes. And that burst corner route I talked about, that's not something Juju Smith-Schuster ran very much with Pittsburgh. Uh, They didn't run many corner routes at all. It was mostly goes and outs and then hitches uh, and slants and things over the middle that really – what the coaching staff at Pittsburgh thought catered to his skill set. So this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch moving forward, but it sure seems like Juju Smith-Schuster is excited about this new opportunity because he's running all the routes from all the positions, and that's something different than what he did before when really I think Pittsburgh was kind of trying to laser focus on what he could do the best, and the teacher's saying, hey, we want you to be more versatile and be less predictable, and I think he's kind of embracing that challenge. Hey, Larry, we might take you up on that. Larry says for $15.99 monthly, I'll check out the diving catches at the, for the star. Well, we, we just may, uh, we may put you on a retainer, Larry. Thanks for that. Okay. Hey, let's, uh, uh, let's take a break and hear from our sponsor, First Federal. When I bought my first home, I was searching for listings and negotiating all on my own. Now I'm back in the housing market and I could not imagine doing that again. But then I found First Federal Bank of Kansas City's expert loan advisors at ffbkc.com. They were kind, knowledgeable, and available 24-7. My loan advisor answered my questions and helped me feel confident all the way through closing. I trust First Federal Bank because they understand banking is personal. Apply today for a home loan at ffbkc.com slash homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat Live, talking Chiefs from training camp in St. Joseph, Missouri, with beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope and columnist Sam McDowell. And Brian says he heard a lot of good things about several rookies. Who do you think will make the most impact? Herbie, I'm going to go to you here because we're going to switch the sides of the ball and go to the defense. And for the first time, we can officially say uh, what, you, what you've seen at uh, at some positions at training camp. And I, I wanted to start on the defensive side because uh, I know I keep being impressed by one particular cornerback who played his college football at Fayetteville State. Yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of like mentioned it. It would not surprise me if, if you insert the name, we've, we've been saying it all through mandatory minicamp and OTAs, but now the, the best kept secret is out of the bag. Look, Joshua Williams has been working with the ones. And I think a lot of that has to do because Rashad Fenton has been injured. He's not in there to, to start off when they're in the 4-3 base. That's Legereus Sneed and, and, of course, obviously the first-round prick, Trent McDuffie. Uh, but when they go to the nickel, Joshua Williams is getting the first call up. Now, and Andy Reid kind of mentioned, hey, look, it's early. You know, I, I have to see more. And even safety Justin Reed said, we got to see what happens when the pads come on. And that's going to be key. But as of right now, when you see this guy, he's got the length. He, he's, he's perfect for press man coverage. He's a ball hawk. He knocked, knocked away a pass today in team drills uh, when he was defending against McCall Hardman. The guy's got all the skills that, you know, it's clear the Chiefs like him. Sam, that's a big ask, isn't it, to go from um, NCAA Division II uh, to starting in the NFL, if that's what if that's what happens. I know Andy Reid seemed a little bit cautious uh, with his praise uh, of Joshua Williams today, but uh, uh, but uh, I, I would not be surprised if 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 he's out there uh, as as a starter. And it also speaks to the investment the Chiefs made during the draft uh, at that position. Yeah, I mean it's a big ask, but particularly one at cornerback. I mean we see really good cor- NFL cornerbacks struggle their rookie year, um, and also it you know it's. It, it, it's relevant that the Chiefs don't have a lot of experience in their secondary. You know, I, I think this makes it even more glaring that Tyron Matthew is not back there because he's a guy that, you know, a guy like Joshua Williams, I think right now would be leaning a lot on. And, you know, Justin Reed commented today that he's really comfortable with, with moving guys around in the secondary, telling them where to be. But he's learning this playbook too. And he also – talked about just this this is the deepest playbook he's ever been a part of um so i just think that combination you know you're i think early in the season maybe it's just early in preseason maybe it's just early in training camp but we're going to see at least out here on the field in st joe where guys might not always be in the right spot early on you know when you've got that combination of 
Uh, it's not just, you know, a, a D2 player learning how to defend the talent that he's probably never in his life seen before. Um, but it's also getting used to an NFL playbook with not a lot of experience in this particular playbook around him. Real quick, Blair, too, I just wanted to mention this about Joshua Williams. I wrote about him a couple of days ago. You talk about going from Division two all the way up to the NFL, potentially a starter in the nickel package. How about going from uh, Walmart and Domino's to, to, to a start of the NFL? Because he was delivering pizzas a couple of years ago. Uh, what's so interesting is Division two. his particular team did not play uh, his junior season. So he sat out when he's watching all these D1 athletes who are potentially going pro, and he's not playing, and they are playing. So uh, not only that, you know, we're talking a year out of football two years ago where he had to sit out the whole year he was training. You know, he was security for Walmart. He was delivering pizzas. But uh, to have this sort of monumental rise, that's a pretty impressive story if he's able to make it and kind of continue to ascend the way he has. Absolutely a guy to keep your eye on in training sure. camps. Well, sorry, Blair. I was just going to say there was – you know, Herbie made a really good point about the pads, which um, those of us have been at training camp with Herbie, he will make every hour until the pads do come on. He'll remind us that the pads are not on. But the reason it's really important is there was a player last year in the secondary that we all thought was going to get some run, and it was Devin Key. And then when the pads did come on, we saw him slowly trickle down the depth chart, and he didn't end up making even the initial 53. But he opened – alongside Tyron Matthew last year before the pads came on. So it, it is an important thing to mention that these padded practices, which I think Herbie's got the exact date. Maybe I, I think Chanel told you guys when the pads will come on, but those are going to be significantly more important, especially for a guy that, you know, they're going to want to play, you know, some press coverage. Okay. Another player that we got to talk to today was safety, Justin Reed, first year player for the chiefs. And uh, he was asked about uh, Josh Williams, among other things. Let's hear from chief safety, Justin Reed. You tend to have a front row seat now for uh, luxurious need and uh, Trent McDuffie and even Joshua Williams. It's, it's kind of like the grizzled veteran in the back there. Yeah. What are your thought process on, on those, especially those two rookies that are playing cornerback? Yeah. Um, LJ is essentially the vet in the room at the corner position, um, and he's done a great job bringing Trent and Joshua and all the rest of the rookie corners and you know young guys coming into the system, bringing them along and making sure they're getting adjusted to the system because the playbook that we have here is heavy. You know what I mean? And all I played in four different defensive systems. And this is definitely one of the deepest playbooks defensively that we have. Um, but the young guys have been doing a great job, you know, taking it in stride, listening to the older guys, um, being learners and not being combative, you know what I mean, being open to coaching, both from coaches and from older veterans. Um, so they've been coming along well. You know, we've been putting a lot on their plate, and they're up to the challenge for it. A lot, of the young guys, a lot of the young guys in the past have talked about, and I don't want to bring him up, but Tyron Matthew, how he was able to put guys in, in their position on yeah. the back end. How comfortable are, are you with doing that, uh, men that you're you know, learning as well? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my strong point. I right. feel like that's the reason why they brought me in is right. um, being a field general on the back end, being able to see the whole picture, um, not only just put guys in positions, but it's like sometimes you just go out there and play football and mistakes happen. Um, but having the awareness to be able to see when something's a little bit off and be the eraser on the back end to make sure that either we get them on the ground or just to fix mistakes where, you, you know, most people don't even notice that there was a mistake on the field. You know, we talked to three players today. In addition to Justin Reed, there was Trey, Trey Smith and, as you heard earlier, Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I enjoyed all of them today. I, I thought they were uh, all pretty revealing and um, not – 
coincidentally, two of them are newcomers to the Chiefs, and then one is in his second year. So uh, just just getting to know the new players uh, is fun. Michael writes that uh, a lot of new players could equal a slow start against a tough schedule. I guess that's right. Uh, absolutely a tough schedule. A lot of new players on this team as well. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, Justin Reed, we'll, we'll get into something he said I thought was really interesting, a heavy playbook uh, on the defense. And so when do we get to hear from Steve Spagnolo, Kirby? Do you know what that is off the top of your head? Yeah, but it should be this week. It's either Thursday or Friday, but I do know, I do know we get the coordinators this week. Okay, I want to get them to talk about the heavy playbook on the defensive side. I thought that was interesting. So yeah, that's that's a Sam topic, Blair. What, what, <laughs> hand the baton to Sam because he loves this topic. I do love the topic because um, you know when I talked to Tyron Matthew in the off season, um, I didn't include this in my story, but he mentioned how difficult Spagnuolo's playbook was, and he said, "I think they're going to have trouble running all the stuff we ran last year." And I agree with them because of the inexperience I just mentioned, you know, really Juan Thornhill and Legereus Sneed are the only guys that, you know, have a comfort level with that playbook. One of the questions I asked Justin Reed today was what percentage of the playbook did you do you run on any particular day? And he led off by saying that they ran a lot today because it was the first day of camp. And then that number was 15%. <laughs> so I think, I think what you're going to see is the Chiefs are going to try and incorporate it all in training camp and then they're just going to – Spagnuolo's going to have a tough job in figuring out how much of this stuff can I actually run in week one. And maybe it's a thing where they run some of it in week one and then a little bit more in week two, more in week three. Um, but I, I really don't think you're going to see the full play, playbook in play for week one, everything that they were running last year. If anything, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mirror what they did in 2019. If you remember Steve Spagnuolo's first year uh, replacing Bob Sutton. And it took the Chiefs' defense, what, until like halfway, midway through the season before he was comfortable enough to go ahead and give them more because they were also learning as a group. And as you have all these new pieces this year, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they went that route again. Okay, I think it's an interesting topic that we'll explore in a bigger way on another show, of which there are going to be many. <laughs> uh, we'll be here for the next uh, next three weeks or so, about the same time every day, about 2.30. Every day the Chiefs practice, we will be here on Sportsbeat Live, uh, along with uh, Jesse Newell, Kirby Teope, Sam McDowell, and on some days, Vahe Gregorian. Uh, we'll talk Chiefs with you Thanks to these guys and to producer Monty Davis for putting together today's show. Thanks to First Federal for their sponsorship. And we will talk to you again on Thursday at 2.30 p.m. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing the podcast and Monty Davis for putting together the live stream. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell for sharing their Chiefs insights. Morning Sports Edition is the best sports page in America. Features, news, multiple pages of agate, including box scores, all of it. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another Sports Beat KC from Chiefs Camp.